This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PG at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PG. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage Podcast. Our special guest today is Kosha Dills. Kosha, how's it going? Good, bro. Sorry, I feel like I'm just like, I started out yawning. I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. I just got the vaccine, so I feel like pulverized but uh you know i'm dressing to impress bro average to savage yeah for sure yeah i'm trying to go average to legendary but yeah average to savage is the first step i like Mm -hmm. that i like that well i appreciate you coming on i know uh we know each other for for a few months now you wrote you wrote the average savage song for me it's fire i semi-released it i semi-released it i didn't officially recently release it yet but maybe i'll release it with the episode and it'll be boom beautiful beautiful dude well listen bro I love it. Yeah. You use some of it. And that's how, you know, this, this song is, you know, like you get, you get a big song and they use seven seconds in like the hit show, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you got this great, you know, and then everyone finds out the song, you know, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be part of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, now just going back in your background, you grew up in New Jersey. Could you just give me a little bit uh, more background and then how you got into music? Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey. I'm Jersey, born and raised. Um, my whole family immigrated from Israel um, in the 70s. I was born in 81 and um, grew up in Edison, New Jersey, home of Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, I think a couple other couple other great people as well. And, you know, I grew up playing soccer um, and wrestling. Wrestling was my thing. Um I wrestled from the age of eight to the age of 20 in college, going all the way up to, you know, Rutgers for, you know, a scholarship for wrestling to be part of that wrestling team. Um, and um, being part of like the athletic NCAA, you know, division one community is a big thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the rapping stuff sort of happened sort of in high school. I loved wrestling. I loved fighting one-on-one with people. And that sort of led to rap battles and rap battles was, was the thing. There were no shows. You just battled other people at a rap battle and you were on stage for your two minutes and you get off and you, you know, you, you wait for the next turn um, for the next rounds. And that's how I kind of <coughs> got started really yeah. battles, you know, writing for battles back in the day and, uh, and freestyling and, and, you know, to the point where I started releasing music in like Oh five, all the way up till today. Um, and, you know, in between there was, you know, I have a story of like jails and addiction. I got sober at 22, I'm turning 23, but like my life was definitely rough in those, I would say like after high school and pre getting sober, 
Um, and, you know, just navigating in the world of music of what I always really wanted to do. Um, and that was to be on stage and like say my piece and tell my story. For sure. So you, you stopped wrestling at 20, like while you were in college. And then is that when you picked up music? Yeah, like not nah, like I was rapping, like I had started battling. I was 17 and 18 okay. and I was a kid on the wrestling team that like bet rapped. And, um, you know, I was going, you know, on the weekends to places like open mics in New York City um, and New Jersey and New Brunswick and just getting familiar in the rap scene. You know what I mean? Just be, like making a name for myself. At the time I was going by KD Flow. Um, okay. I was originally named Kosher Dill, just like straight up Kosher Dill. And then people had made fun of me. And then the next time I went on stage, I changed it to KD Flow. And so that's what we get to roll with. Um, and from there, you know, after I got, you know, sober and came out of jail and shit, like the idea was, all right, I'm going to really embrace Kosher Dills, which was like partly sexual, partly Jewish, partly, you know, my, my heritage. And then also like a hustler street guy too. So I had the A instead of the ER and Z instead of the S and, you know, I, I loved, you know, and that's what hip hop was about. It was like, you know, the double, you know, the triple meanings, double meanings of stuff um so yeah man who, who were your like inspirations like music wise um you know so i grew up rapping with this kid yak yak balls um if you get to listen to his music he's just a legendary rapper and like i kind of grew up on this group called cannibal ox which is like by lp from run the jewels had a record label called deaf jokes and like my dream was to be on this label it's like you know my first single was a song called chainsaw music which is like you know horrorcore rap was a thing so um besides like biggie smalls and tupac and 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 um you know that was like my core hip-hop in wu-tang right because i was third edison's like 30 minutes from staten island mm -hmm. You then have, you know, like the first CD I bought was original Gun Clappers from Duck Down Records. So this was like very New York, Brooklyn hip hop at 17. And then also had this kind of little flair of like Shock G from Digital Underground. And I really loved like, I loved that kind of like pop flair and kind of like quirkiness, which has become a big part of my style of making really like kind of just weird cheesy stuff, but making it dope. Um, and then sort of going into now where, you know, a lot of the people that influence me are like my friends, my coworkers, you know, people that I find randomly on the street or playing. And, you know, I'm always searching for inspiration, but at the core of it, you know, Wu-Tang was really like a huge foundation for what I, you know, grew up with and Biggie Smalls and stuff like that. And then it changed into those three things, you know, the hustle mentality of like, Jada Kiss and the locks and like hustling drugs to like modest Yahoo in the Jewish aspect when I first met him and played with him in like 2004, 2005. And then also going back to like the horrorcore um, Jewish gangster stuff of like Necro and nonfiction and Ill Bill. So it was like all these things. And I find my place like in the middle of that, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I, I made it a point to be out there to get inspired like i didn't just sit at home like i went to the stores i went to the shows i went to the pop-ups and that's you know what what was moving me you know because then you couldn't really just be online yeah that, that's what my next point was gonna be so how how did you get yourself out there because you were in the pre-social media age i mean the new york city there was something called the ughh.com 
uh, message boards and there was AOL chat rooms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was rapping since 98, 99, 2000. Um, you know, there were chat rooms. And in 2005, MySpace came out and you could upload songs. And I mean, you were getting thousands and thousands of plays. This is before, this is before SoundCloud. This, and you just spend hours on this thing. It was just bewildering that you could be on your phone for hours, right? I remember like mess getting a message from Redman on MySpace. Like I just, you know, certain things I remember. Um, I remember, you know, having to get off MySpace because it took over like my entire life. You know what I mean? And I was like getting sober, off pro like probation, going to like 12 step meetings and like just messaging people on MySpace like all day and like delivering pizza and trying to figure out how to go back to college like as a felon, you know what I mean? Again, um, and MySpace was the platform from 2005 to like 2010. And then out of nowhere came Twitter and Twitter became a thing where I started traveling into the world of tech. And that's when I met Gary Vaynerchuk in like 2010, you know? So it was just a little bit of a change from there and Facebook. And, you know, then it graduated to Instagram. Yeah. So what, yeah. What would you say like, was your like breakthrough? I know you had, you're, you had you've done a bunch of things for like uh, big companies. You, you were, you've been in the NBA 2K video game. Like, tell me like, what was your breakthrough? Yeah. So, I mean, the first breakthrough I really had was when I decided that I was going to go full-time and book a tour. Um, and I booked a show. I was studying at like a yeshiva because they had like, um, I don't know, it was just like, I was able to move out of my house and move into this place. And I was like, okay, I'll live here. And I will, um, I will book a, a tour with my boy who they were really looking up to me at the time, these Jewish kids. And, and they helped me. Um, and I booked a show in like Sacramento and, and like Pittsburgh. And I'm like, All right, I'm going to fill it in. And then someone from MySpace actually booked me at like a synagogue. And I was starting getting like these gigs. as like the Jewish rapper. And I was like, yo, I mean, you know, they were able, like, you know, non-venues, like, you know, events or organizers or people that are from nonprofits could pay thousands of dollars for someone to come versus like the other place you have to sell the tickets or the money's not there. Yeah. So I was, you know, that was that first tour. And then in 2009, I won the Hot 97 rap battle and I got like a promo record deal. But like that really kind of put me out and then got me on tour with Modest Yahoo. And then things started falling into place. Southwest Southwest was huge because I'd rap for Gary Vaynerchuk there. I had rapped for I've met every rapper there, basically, um, and in the scene. And like, you know, I mean, I'm talking from the cool kids to meeting Paul Rosenberg, you know, just getting the meeting, getting the picture getting you know starting to document the process i mean i was documenting things since iphone 4 since blackberries i mean you know what i mean so if you think about it and all these videos of like 100 views and 500 views and 300 views and it just cements you as somebody who this is what you do you know um and along the way like the biggest financial jump for me was a super bowl commercial in 2012 with bud light i had like 150 dollars in my bank account um I recorded the song at like a rest stop in Colorado with like a $12 bag. You have to pay like $12 to go into the bathroom. I had a really shitty mic. Um, my old roommate, Lonnie, um, he was like, you should buy a recording system. So I bought a system so I could record on the road. This was like unheard of. Like you're just packing up your recording equipment in 2012, like, and just recording on the road. 
And that changed my life. I mean, it was like a hundred million people watching the game. The, the, it was played in like playoffs, everything, it was, you know, nine years ago. And I made enough money from that to like, really like get my own place. Just like, just level up to a point where I was like, yeah, I had more money. I made more money than my dad, you know what I'm saying? That year. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. And what I would think back to all that, it was like the big break is that like, when you do have a big break, it's really important to have the proper things in place to really leverage that, you know? And, um, you know, in some cases I did, in some cases I didn't, but, you know, I'm still here, still doing it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Then how did, how did the 2K thing come about? You were in the game. Yo, it was crazy. So like they worked with Duck Down Records, which is like a, you know, underground rap label with like, you know, Buckshot and Smith and Wesson and, and just sort of let Sean Price rest in peace. Like this, this is legendary characters um, of New York. And I say characters, hip hop artists, you know, from the nineties, you know, um, that are still just legendary figures. And they, the guy, they had, they were like curating a song. So I entered a contest to get my song in it. I took like second or third place. I remember recording this song. It was about like, you know, basketball or something, something like that. Um, I, I hope to find this song actually, now that I think about it. Um, and I was in South by Southwest at a venue called the Scoot Inn. Scoot Inn is sort of like off the beaten tra tra uh, path. And I had tons of posters for shows I was playing, but it still had my name on the poster. So I said, listen, the show already happened, but I got them. So why don't I just put them up everywhere? So people could say like, oh, I missed that show. Oh, who's that guy? I wish you know I could check him out. And while I was passing out flyers and posters for a show that already happened on a picnic table, some guy goes, oh, word, like, are you one of these guys? I'm like, yeah, I'm Koshy Dills. He's like, it's crazy. I work at 2K. We should link up and um, we should do, like get you in, a, like you lost the thing, but we should like get you in a game. So I was passing out like old material for something that had no relevance because it was like in the past. It would be like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, but it's different. Like you don't, you share an old podcast, but you don't share an old flyer that already happened unless it's like a throwback there, you know, whatever. And doing that got me the conversation. And then he's like, all right, send the pictures. You got to send, you know, have somebody take seven pictures. And then it got me into the game where I was like, you know, this balding rapper, you know what I'm saying? That like, they, I was like, yeah, they made me extra ball. And, you know, that was at the times where I was like, man, I was still like dealing with my hair loss. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, growing up, I love being, I love my head, yeah. but um, yo, it was epic. And I made myself the same height, same everything. I sold millions of games, sold millions. And people know me from that all over the world. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, yeah, going back to the Super Bowl commercial, are you a, are you a Giants fan? Um, I'm not a Giants fan. I'm actually an Eagles fan. Oh, all right. Because I was going to say, mm. that must have been crazy if you were a Giants fan. They won the Super Bowl that year. You were on the commercial. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, like, I'm not a really a good fan. You know what I'm saying? Like, I picked the Eagles because I was in high school. It was the Edison Eagles. And I knew, you know, everyone liked the Giants. So I was like, I like the Eagles. Yeah. I don't know. So I just picked them. There was no right exact reason why I picked them. Yeah. No, I feel you. All right. Now, coming coming up to, like, present day now, um, you've been killing it for the past few months since I've known you pretty much since we met on Clubhouse, which is fun. Yeah um like you like you opened up my mind too to things like that like I, I never thought about like rappers like branding themselves with other brands like Bud, Bud Light and all that stuff like that like and then I was just like and then when I looked you up and I did and I was like all right you got a shit ton of these on here so I was like all right that's lit and then that's how 
I asked you to do my song, so I had to yeah. do that. So, I mean, it's, but, you know, we got to think outside the box, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, there's no shows. How often do you do shows? Yeah. And, you know, people just love hip-hop, and how can we make it all, you know, connect? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, just tell me about, I know you went viral, like, a few times uh, this past uh, December, January, whenever it was. Tell me about that, like, and you got on the news and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, as you see, I got this this uh, this derby, right? Boom. So when it was snowing, I I went in the blizzard and I rapped on Hanukkah, you know, because I was saying like Hanukkah is a popular Jewish holiday that like everybody like will share something for it, even if they're not Jewish or anything, you know, just like New York and New York is like in there, and I got picked up by some place called green pointers and then this website what is new york posted me um who also does subway creatures i think too so it's like kind of like a conglomerate of like meme pages and micro influenced areas and i went viral from that and then i like did something like rapping about chinese food on christmas jews and chinese food it was like fun things that would like fit the kosher deals brand and that got like two almost two hundred thousand views on twitter and then you know, I did a bagel song and I'm like, okay, now we're like, we're like, what's the, what are we doing? We're doing national pizza day, national bagel day. And, you know, I had just dropped an album and I'm like, no one's listened to the album, but I'm getting everyone to the album from giving them this. And, you know, it's what I realized that like, there's so much of this, uh, there's so much of this stuff. And, and, and so for Passover, similar to Hanukkah, I'm like, all right, I, I, this is starting to work. Let me do Moses. And Moses has become like its own character who is just, you know, Moses all year round. And I did a rap with the fire and I got like half a million, but it probably got up to like, you know, around a million to all the pages. And I never went viral until this, this December like that. You know, I never had my own thing. I mean, I've gone up, I've been on collabs, but not my own stuff. And, um, it's common, you know, to get a hundred thousand, fifty thousand, thirty thousand, twenty thousand, and and on on so many different areas, you know. What I mean, I have I have my freestyle rap, I have my music videos, I got my like just you know Jewish content. So you know, for holidays, and I think what I realized is the more I go out there, New York celebrates Renegade Raw. Like that's specifically to New York, definitely to the East Coast. And it's something I didn't experience in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if that's what they want and that's who I am, yeah. that makes it easier for me because I was going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then what, what, has there been any new opportunities that came from that? Yeah, like you said, you saw me rapping in the blizzard. I got in the New York Post, you know what I mean? And I met people from there. Um I did the bagel rap and I just did collaborations with TiVo, like straight up real brand deals with like major multi, multi, multi-million dollar corporations um, that, are, you know, and some of the other, just the collaborations, like from what is New York to New York, New York Nico, these guys have like, you know, they celebrate the raw and, you know, um, anything I do is like, a television interview, Good Morning America, Revolt TV. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm expressing my voice, being authentic to myself and leveling up to another level I did not experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, that, and to me, I think being authentic is the most important part. 
because ultimately people could say things about you. And if you're an actor that is speaking somebody else's lines that were written for you, then you have a problem. But like in the world of, of music, especially when people are, you know, writing things like people can say whatever about they want about the Moses character. They could, but like, it's something I created and I made it and it's gone viral and it's only been around for two months and I just did the Knicks game and you know what I mean? And everything I'm doing is always getting tens of thousands of views as it. So, you know, I'm going to take it all the way to like rolling loud. And I wanted to go to, you know, Coachella and I wanted to go to Bonnaroo and I wanted to go to um, Governor's Ball. And um, like, so, because why not? Right. And it's like new and, and, and there's people that are behind it because they want to see it win. You know what I mean? And, and I think like as artists and creators, we have to come up with something that gets you excited and makes you want to share it and get behind it without me asking you to get behind it. Right. Yeah. And that's the key. And that's what I first, I've never experienced that till this past couple months. So like from December to May, which has been half a year. It's been, my life is like the amount of followers I've got. Everything is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, yeah, just tell me about a little bit how like clubhouse helped you too. And I know uh, you've been doing a lot of talks uh, like about Judaism and Jewish people and stuff like that. Yeah. um, So like on clubhouse, um, there's like Holocaust remember. I mean, not just in Clubhouse, but there's Holocaust Remembrance Day, which was in January. Uh, we brought the first ever Holocaust survivors on Clubhouse. Um, one, there's just a huge thing, you know, like someone from Saudi Arabia could join somebody from California, Connecticut, Mexico, Venezuela. And I mean, there's no even platform for Holocaust survivors that are like dying off every day. Like in 20 years, we're not going to have Holocaust survivors. You know, maybe there'd be one left that was a baby, you know. And you have to think about that. This is like a last living testament. And if I could be influential in doing this instead of going to like how to invest in Dogecoin, which is also a great thing to do. It's also a great community. Like there's a, there's a community for this and thousands and thousands of people came on to see this. So on our first time we had, you know, Lupe Fiasco came in. We had, you know, like, and these are people that have been, people that have been accused of, 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 of like being anti-Semitic had the opportunity to come in and hear it. I mean, there are people that were from Arab states and nations and never got to speak to Holocaust survivor, people from South America. And I think it's super important. We had articles in NBC. I was mentioned in Time Magazine. I mean, you don't, and that's just from doing stuff without even wanting like press, you know, like we assume that people will write it up and, you know, but I didn't ask anyone from Time Magazine to mention me in the article, but like they talked about what we did and, you know, Variety Magazine, like all these places knew that what you're doing is legendary. And I think for me, I realized that this past six months since being in New York and like getting the confidence, like my music, I got on like, a, the, like the dating world, a- any aspect of it when you put yourself out there and don't care what people think or how they're going to respond, um, you're going to make so many big leaps. And that has been my experience, man. Like I cannot imagine that. And some of the stuff you do doesn't always hit. Right. But if you know, there's a need for it, it's party time, bro. Um, And I love the best part about working with Holocaust survivors is that you realize that they're just people too. They don't always want to talk about, being a survivor you know yeah. so 
to create that experience for this guy, Sammy, and for other people like Inga and just, you know, like to tell their story because you can't go into a museum anymore with a thousand people to listen. And fact is a thousand people that are going to come probably won't be from all different backgrounds. They'll probably all be Jewish or it's going to be like a group outing. So Clubhouse is a great, great way to meet people from all over the world, different backgrounds, having the opportunity to share, um, you know, and in doing things like that, connect people back to the music and people meet me from serious stuff. They meet me from rapping in Blizzard to rapping as Moses to, you know, rapping outside the Knicks games, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I think is cool about just like your story is because like, obviously you have like the serious stuff too, which is like just totally different than your rap career, I'd say. Yeah. And then, so it's like a, it's like almost showing like, obviously, obviously you're a human too, but I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Just like, I don't know, probably it, like you said, and then it gains you more fans also at the same time. Yeah. I think like people have to also like when you're in music, right. I was like, are you just going to make music or are you also going to speak on some things too? And like someone I really look up to, you know, I don't agree with everything he says, but like Killer Mike is someone who's done music forever. He's done, he's been really successful. And then he started a new group, right? Running Jewels, which became more successful than anything he did. And I was going to his solo shows and there was like a hundred people there. I mean, there wasn't even tons of people there in New York. I remember that. And and then seeing him speak on 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 things that he just feels passionate about. And that all works together, right? Because people now have such easy access to a musician if the musician doesn't come contact them back they're like the people think they're a dick right so when you put out content and you're like i'm against bigotry and then you get twenty thousand, you know retweets you're like well I, you know like just certain you know i could just say stuff that's that's like important to people and helps them get through their day it doesn't always have to be a rap a rap a verse, a rap, a verse. But what we were taught when we came in was we were taught a, we were taught a specific way, but now we have to be ready to adapt at any given moment, right? We have to be able to speak on things. We have to be able to show up for other people, um, be helpful, and it has to be authentic too. And I think like that's why, you know, Killer Mike's done so good is because he's authentic to his own self, uh, things that he cares about. And people listen to him and that sort of transfers over to multiple aspects of what he does in his whole career. Like I'm doing pickles. I'm going to have a call today about my own, like doing a pickle collab with Grillo's. Um, shout out to Grillo's. And I did stuff with his baseball team, the Portland Pickles. And just being kosher dills like pickles is a thing. That's a huge business too. Yeah. <laughs> so why can't food and music and bagels all go together yeah. and podcasting and, you know, interviewing other people and giving them platforms having Holocaust survivors, speaking on being Israeli, American, Palestine, all that stuff together, plus your other stuff. Even those things, and this is, this is like so key for anyone listening. If you have, if you want to be a pundit on one topic, but you're in like a certain area, but you don't have, you don't have like, like clout in your own field, like the things that you're passionate about, you should have clout in your own field and it, and it kind of leverages each one up and levels everything up because people will take you more seriously because of the work you've accomplished in one field. It'll value opinion more when you get a chance to speak on something else. Um, and I think they all go hand in hand together. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then what, what's up next for you? Like what are, what are your plans for what, any, any new projects? Um, 
Yeah, man. I'm just like, um, you know, I just have this new music video out with Gangsta Boo, um, which is really awesome. It was going to space with Dogecoin and, and um, I am um, releasing a new summer song uh, with this guy, Jenya from, from Israel and Russia. And uh, he's just like, we just got like a, a nice summer bop. We have a music, so I have like a music video for that, music video for Isn't Me. Um, I'm performing everywhere around New York City right now. Um, every day, a different iconic spot while the city is coming back and just trying to do more, more things like that. I, I, my main goal right now with the street performing is to do a sold out show in New York City. That's basically from the streets to the stage. And for all the people that were performing on the street, we're going to go sell out a show at a venue like Bowery Ballroom or Gramercy and have 600, you know, 500 people there, you know, supporting like the real authentic grind and i believe personally for me that i've never felt more accomplished than now and you know people think oh wow he's like rapping on the street like like i don't look at it that like i look as that i'm doing everyone else's service by being out there you know what i'm saying like i'm really here to lift other people up and we're underdogs in this. Like I wasn't supposed to be successful. You know, I wasn't supposed to win that battle. I wasn't supposed to be an NBA 2K, but I did extra work along the way to get the crumbs. But now we're going to start to take the cake. And I feel like I'm in my bag with that. And I just like, I don't know if I expressed that right, but I feel like people are rallying behind me and they want to see it happen. You know what I mean? And that's why we're getting big stuff. You know, that's why we're getting I just started getting the million views now, you know, 2020, I got my first million views. It's almost 2 million with, with Cascade. So there's a lot of things happening um, that like from rap to dance tracks to everything across the board and people want to know your story. Right. So if I get 20 people here or 50 people that really like, like the, the, the story, you know, hopefully they'll rally behind me too. And then, you know, hopefully I got, I find people that I could rally behind as well. And we all do it together. Yeah, definitely. Are right, you ready for some fun questions? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what, what do you like? I to mean, do those were fun. They're fun regardless. <laughs> what do you What do you like to do in your free time? Oh, in my free time? Yeah. I'm a big runner. All right. So, like, I like taking runs over the bridge. It's something I've been really, uh, really liking. Um, and like currently, like, I'm just every day I I do something great for my. I live in an apartment, but I'm trying to make it a palace. So I'm always buying stuff. So like, I'm really getting into plants, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So yeah. I'm trying to copy, copy these plants, get, get some greenery in my place. Um, not the kind you smoke, but the kind you like embrace. And, um, yo, dude, I, I have, I, I was thinking of what I say when a free time, I don't have free time. I make free time. So like cooking plants, just, you know, esteemable acts that I, I really like. I like that. Like bring me joy. You know what I mean? yeah for sure what about what, what's your favorite song right now that's not yours oh um her name is bia do you know bia yeah whole lot of money whole lot of money oh yeah it's a whole lot of money before, in a song. Huh? Yeah, I, was, I was on her before she blew up I, I, yeah i'm I actually think, supposed to get her on the podcast i think she's like blowing up now but she got yeah. she oh, you've had her on a podcast no i'm supposed to get her yeah Yo, she's dope. My homegirl, I think Maria used to manage her. I don't know if she still does. But I just, I was like dancing into it the other day at a party. And I'm like, bro, you know, the other day I went to a boat party and then I randomly walked into like a cowboy themed party. And I was like, yo, and they were playing. And I was like, this is a cowboy themed party that I went to. Um, And I was like, this song is so good. And I love, 
I love beating a song to shit, man. Like I'll play it a hundred times, 200 times, you know? Yeah. What was cool. Um, I don't know if you saw her other song skate, uh, the NHL just did a collab with her for the playoffs and she remixed mm. it. So she's been at it, dude. Long time coming, you know, long time yeah. coming. So she deserves a shout out to Bia. Yeah. yeah. That, but I love her. Oh my God, dude. We're, I will be, uh, we're definitely clipping this her. and sending it to her. We're definitely clipping this on. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It's a shout out to Bia. All right, last, well, sp this might go with it, the last question. Who who would be, like, your dream collabs? Um, well, yeah, right. That's what I'll say about Bia. That would be – I would love to collaborate with just a lot of dope women. I really like collaborating with women. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, anyone from, you know, Bia to Kid Cudi to um, – you know, like if it was underground rap, I would have loved to, you know, collab with Killer Mike or Atmosphere. It's like I love them. Um, but, you know, I'm doing a collab with this dude, Nassim Black, who's really dope. He's a black Orthodox Jewish rapper in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, he's just, he's, I just was in his new video shoot. And this dude just, I've known him for years, like since 2008. So I get excited to collaborate with people like that. But then like, you know, when you see your friends, Homeboy Sandman, people like that, my boy Flex Matthews, just my friends that I've been doing music side by side with for so long, that's great. But you know, in the end of the day, like how Bia had her own hit song, that's like exactly what I want. So I just gotta keep making the songs. And you know what, it's no one else's fault that I don't have a hit song, it's only my fault, you know what I mean? And I'm okay with that. So I gotta keep writing them. And I think I got one, you know what I'm saying? I think I got one and I always think I got one, but you know, not everyone else thinks they're a hit, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of times where uh, people's songs blow up years later. You never know. Yeah, dude, like that song I had in a Super Bowl commercial was four years old at the time. I made it in 2008, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and and that was that was just the reality of it. You know, yeah. I made it in 2008. Bang. It gets out in 2012. And I still send that song out and we still, you know, we could sing these old songs, you know, and then that's the great thing about music. People could use them forever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, could you let the listeners know where they can follow you at? Yeah, man. Um, Kosha Dills, K-O-S-H-A-D-I-L-L-Z. Um, my website's koshadillsworld.com. You can follow it on Spotify, Kosha Dills, Twitter, Instagram. TikTok is koshadills826. Um, and um, if you're interested in getting merch, you know, just go to the Kosha Dills. That, that's always great. And, you know, there's a Kosha Dills merch store on the website. But um, YouTube, it's, 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 it's just, it's like clockwork. Kosha Dills everywhere on the internet, you know, but to, that used to be one of my taglines, which I don't like anymore because people think I'm too easy, easily accessible, but I'm in New York. So, you know, say what's up. <laughs> Again, I appreciate it. Yo, average is savage. Nothing less. <laughs>